0: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 5 Eastern, 12 to Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. What Up America, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios, TireRack.com. We'll help you get there. Unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, over 10,000 recommended installers, TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Welcome in. Hope you're doing well. The Doug Gottlieb Show broadcasts live every day from, uh, I believe it'll eventually be sunny Southern California. We got a good show for you, including Mark Stein's going to join us in 25 minutes. We'll find out what's really going on in Portland and the rest of the movement in the NBA. In the second hour of the show, Mark Dominic will join us. Of course, he was the, uh, in the front offices in the NFL for 25 years. He's the general manager of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll get his thoughts on a couple of these running backs that are out there, on OTAs and injuries and a lot of other interesting factoids this time of year when it's kind of the dead time in the NFL, but there's lots of, uh, of things going on. Let's go back to two days ago. Jonathan Gavoni, uh, he used to run his own website. I believe it's called Draft Express. He came on to ESPN, I'm going to say six or seven years ago, with Adrian Wojnowski as their kind of draft guru. Um, And look, it's a it's yeoman's work. Yes, you get international travel and yes, you get to go and see uh, players who you'd never see before. And there there are there are kind of conflicting alliances as much as you want to just give pure opinion. um, Sometimes you can't because if you're too honest, you won't get the access you want to certain players. It's just hard to be an outsider doing insider's business. So uh, so some of this is me trying not to be uh, too critical of Gavoni because I do understand that he has a very difficult job. Very difficult job. But he, he was the one who listed uh, Bronny James as a top prospect, and he was the one who on his first draft board for 2024 put Bronny James going to the Atlanta Hawks at 17. And LeBron James' Instagram post on Bronny's mock selection shared this, ca- shared this caption. Well, ATL, shoddy the James game will be pulling up. And there's some laughing emojis. Now, this is an easy one for LeBron to back away from because he can go, I was just kidding. I don't take any of that seriously. But if we... Go back over LeBron's tweets about his son. And we do factor in that I'm guessing, Javoni, as many are, like, what are you going to say? Like, his son stinks? His son doesn't stink. His son's a good player. I think he's going to be a really good college player. No one on earth, in reality, in an NBA front office, believes that Bronny James, on merit, on merit, as of now, coming off of a senior season, where he wasn't one of the top five players in his high school league, will be, should be a top 20 pick in the NBA draft. No one. You will not find somebody who, if you stripped away all the political alliances, would say that. Now, it doesn't mean it doesn't happen because, and he's not the only draft pick where there's some political alliances that pull in your favor, some that pull against you. But the likelihood of a first round pick to a team that, LeBron doesn't play for, not great. Now, remember, LeBron can opt out of next year's contract and eventually could go play with Bronny James. But this, to me, when when I read it, when I see it, when I see the IG caption, there's one thing that comes to my mind. You want to know what it is? My high school coach was a man named Andy Ground. And Andy uh, was... Um, was a very good player at Hawaii Hilo. He played overseas. He came back. Uh, He worked in the, uh, he worked in juvenile hall. Then he worked in secondary ed, you know, which is basically like the high school for for juvenile hall. And then in addition to that, he was, uh, became a high school PE teacher. And then by my sophomore year, he was our varsity coach. And then he went on to being a junior college coach at uh, Saddleback College where he won a couple state titles. He retired last year from teaching, from coaching. And I think this year from teaching and he was like helping coach um, a, a local high school. It's called Santa Margarita. And I talked to him once about where we he was telling stories about my late father. And we were talking, I was talking about coaching kids and AAU and he's like, listen, all you got to know is you can't talk to dads about their kids because they're blinded by love. Just as long as you remember that, They're blinded by love. And I actually think this is a very, there's lots of parts of LeBron's life that it's hard for us to draw any sort of parallel on, right? You know, I'm not 6'8", 260. So there's no part of, even his shoes, like, I've never been big on these recent shoes are better, but I've never been a proponent of LeBron's shoes, not because I don't like LeBron, but he's 6'8", 260. They're designed for his body, for his game, for his foot, not for mine. Not for mine. You know, I can't relate to where he is where he's from in the country. but what I can relate to is not that he's a billionaire is not that he rolls with his high school friends and they've all gotten these great jobs and made it and now made movies. Like, I can't relate to any of that. What I can relate to is, oh, he's a crazy dad, just like all the rest of the crazy dads. You would think that somebody who's viewed as one of the all-time great basketball players would have the balance of, hey, it's cool, just like, let's not overrate my kid. Let's just let him experience things on his own. Don't even treat him like he's my son. Let him be his own man, et cetera, et cetera but just can't help himself. And I think that's relatable. I do. I, I think it's, it's like the whole girl dad thing. We can all relate to being, if you're, if you're a girl dad, you can relate to girl dads. Like it's just at some point it becomes awkward. At some point they're got to change clothes and you get kicked out. At some point there's things that they don't want to talk about around you because you're a dad and they're a girl. Got it. That's relatable. So too is this. Of course, he's going to play it off as, man, I don't take those things seriously. I'm not seriously rolling up in Atlanta. But there ain't any doubt that there's at least a portion of his brain that's thinking, well, I wonder where he goes, because maybe I'll go there. This will come across to somebody who only listens on our IG clips um, or a promo as Gottlieb's hating on LeBron or hating on Bronny. No, it's not. He's gonna. He has a chance to be a really good college player. There is nothing about how he played this year, in the last year of development, that would lead you to believe he is a lock to be an NBA player and definitely not a first-round draft pick after one year in college. Again, guys can really improve. He can play in a better system. I like the fact that he's basically a role player, catch and shoot and try and defend, but it's not like he's going to lock dudes up He's some super dynamic, you know, from the time the ball goes up to the time the buzzer sounds defender. And oftentimes when you talk about a prospect's defense, it's like talking about a girl's personality. It's not really what matters. It does matter. You got to be able to guard somebody, but like they're just games and he doesn't do much. I'm not a brawny hater. I'm just a realist. He should be a good freshman addition to USC's team. And by his third year, probably an all-league guy. Maybe, maybe first-team all-league by his fourth year. But whether LeBron is pretending like he's joking or not, continuing to push this narrative of he's a top-20 pick in next year's NBA draft, that's just a dad being a dad. And to steal from my high school coach, Andy Brown, he's just blinded by love. I get it. I get it. I mean, I'm I'm sure Ramos when he's coaching his son, right? He's what 11, and he gets up there in the hill like you, he'll 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 mow through an inning. And you're like, well, what if he pitched for the Dodgers?
5: <laughs> I usually sit down, Doug, in the dugout and just like because I keep score during the game. It is hard yes, to watch your kid I pitch don't. in it. I don't. I sit down the dugout and kind of like kind of like keep my head down and I, I try not to look at it because I don't want to I don't want to see it.
4: I mean, wait till buyer when his kid gets out in the golf course, like he's going to, you know, and you know, we all have that when you're just starting a, on golf, you have that one shot of the day. We have that one shot. You're like, Hey, I can actually be a good golfer. His son's going to have one shot. And he'd be like, okay, this is, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put him with Hank Haney. We're going to work on his swing. We're going to have him train. Lisa's like, hold on. Everybody does it. It's impossible not to. You only want the best for your kid. Even when you should know better, you'd, don't know better, you know, things that change you and make you act differently. It's like, you know, it's like when there's a cute girl and you're in high school and you can't help it. You can't you don't even understand why your voice changes and why your mannerisms change. Right. When 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 the red light of a TV camera is on you, when it's not on you often and that thing is on you, you're going to act differently because, you know, you're on TV. And when your kid is performing and somebody's asking you about your kid, you just lose all perspective. That's what happens. Fox
6: Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
1: When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do.
3: I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith show podcast on the iHeartRadio radio app, Apple podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. What up? with your Doug
4: Gottlieb show, Fox sports radio coming to you from the tire studios, tire Yeah, we get there unmatched selection, pass free shipping, free road protection over 10,000 recommended installers, tire It's the way tire buying should be. Got a good midway for you. Got some That's Baseball for you. Mark Dominick will join us as well. Um, I do have one thing I want to get into that Cowherd talked a lot about. I thought it was sort of interesting. Get to that in, in one moment. I want to read uh you a – I got a direct message from uh, Kedrick. Um, and, oh, man, sorry, Kedrick. I actually spelled your name Kendrick when I uh, when I texted you back that's my bad all right so uh, Kendrick messages me by the way I'm uh, at Gottlieb show on Twitter at Gottlieb show on Instagram the Doug Gottlieb show fan page on Facebook I hope this message finds you well I don't know if you read your message or not I I honestly don't often but I happen to see this one I want to tell you I really enjoy your various takes on sports and how you do your job your sports radio show there were years where I refused to listen to anything you had to say when you came on at 2 o'clock Central, I'd switch over to ESPN. I used to be on ESPN at that time, but then you switch here. And I would cuss at Fox Sports when you filled in for other shows, mainly The Herd. However, I recently gave you more of a listen. Glad I did. Anyway, uh, he's a uh, local regional sports journalist here in Mississippi. And uh, your, your takes are well thought out. Well, that's, I'm fooling him, right? Let me just wing this thing. And your delivery is on par with some of the best in the business. Well, thank you, Kedrick. Anyway, he goes on that uh, he likes the show. And he doesn't like you guys, though. He specifically says, buyer, <laughs> uh, Jason Stewart, <laughs> and then Ramos. He, now, I know you mentioned Ramos. It's like you don't exist. I'm just so he obviously likes me. <laughs> kidding. Tire- kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I did the tire rack deal, bud. uh Let's uh let me let me give you this one thing on that. I, so Cowherd and I was listening earlier today, and we've talked a little bit about a little bit about uh, Austin Reeves, also known as the Hillbilly Mamba, and how much they would pay him. Do I think four years, a hundred million dollars is overpaying him? Yeah even though, you know, the salaries... And, and the thing you have to work your brain around is stars in the NBA and their new contracts are going to be making between 45 to $65 million a year. So as much as, like, $25 million seems crazy to you and me, like, that seems like a crazy amount of money for Austin Reeves. Like, in the pecking order of things, like, if the stars make in the 40s to 60s, based upon when their contract was up, right, uh, and you're making 25 and you're, you know, the fourth or fifth best starter like or you know third or fourth best scorer. that's actually kind of in line but but his point was and it's a good one which is do you overpay a guy because you discovered him and and my answer is absolutely absolutely what happens is and they they had this they had this problem previously and he's now, and they didn't discover Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso had been in and out of the league previously, but when he exploded on the scene, helped him win a championship, Caruso was willing to sign for less than the $9 million a year that he ended up taking. Alex Caruso, out of loyalty, loved being in L.A., loved being a Laker, lives here in the offseason. But I, 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 yes. Do you have a tendency to overpay and overvalue guys that you've seen grow and that you've seen? Yes. And of course you want to see those guys succeed. So sometimes, you know, it's like we have this narrative and I know Austin Reeves supposedly asked not to be a second round pick because he wanted to go to the Lakers. But one of the reasons you want to be a second round pick is they have a level of investment in you. They, they, they selected you. So now they want to see it through and give you every opportunity you can to to make the team. But I, I think, you know, you look at our business is no different. Right? I mean, how many times you just look at the failures, for example, not all and not all have been, but my previous one of my previous homes was ESPN and the guys that are the biggest and brightest, with the exception really of Troy Aikman. You know, you got Herb Street in football. You got Vital and Billis in in basketball. Right? You go around. You look at at baseball, and you know they've added Alex Rodriguez. But I mean, they were they were better when they had Chris Singleton. You know, really? I mean, homegrown guys, people you discover, you give an opportunity to. They're more loyal to you. They're likely to work harder for you because they that you've seen their growth and your. Uh, and you kind of get them more. Whereas if you go free agency in any business is less than a 50-50 shot at works. So my answer to Collins, do you overpay for a kid just because you discovered him, yeah, you do. You do. Just don't bring up the shine box, right? That that can piss some people off. Let's get to the midway.
9: Stuck in the middle with you. It's time for stuck in the middle. The Midway.
4: Stug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. The Midway is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection one place. Bundle and save at progressive.com. I'm going to hand the floor over to Jason Stewart. Jay Stu, what's the, uh, what's the Midway? It's middle of the day, middle of the show, middle of the week. Sometimes sportsy, sometimes not. What do you got for us?
10: Big holiday coming up, Doug. A lot of people's oh, favorite holiday, um, July Fourth. a Seminal uh, holiday in our nation's history um, means a lot to different people. Anyways, I was thinking like, and don't put it much thought into this. Like the first thing you think about sports wise when you think about the July Fourth holiday, and this is what this is where my mind went. And it's it seems random. But um, in 1994, our country hosted the World Cup of Soccer. And Alexi Lawless was, was one of our players. I remember that. And we had a pretty good run and a pretty good, like we won and we tied. I think that was about it. But we beat Colombia, And I remember it being around the 4th of July holiday, holiday because I remember I was uh, camping with, uh, with buddies back in 1994. And we were watching this game, and um, Colombia had an own goal by their defender.
4: Right, and that guy got that guy later got assassinated when
10: he got home. To and, and that's oh, where right. my mind went. Like I specifically remember that as a July Fourth thing, and then it went to that, and then we saw that documentary series Thirty for Thirty on Pablo Escobar. I think the defender's name was Escobar, too, and they kind of paralleled both of their experiences in Colombia. A fascinating documentary. Um, But anyways, that's kind of where my mind's at. Like, when you think about the July 4th holiday as we approach here, what first comes to mind sports-wise?
4: It's interesting. I I do look at documentaries much the way I look at uh, um, uh, Brussels sprouts. Right? I mean, Brussels sprouts when we were kids couldn't be grosser. They kind of smelled like flatulence when your mom cooked them and she steamed them. Now you're like, <laughs> people order Brussels sprouts at restaurants. I know how to make I make them for my kids. My kids ask for them. I mean, make them differently. Same thing with documentaries. Like if somebody's like, hey, you should watch this documentary your kid. Like, oh my God, No. Maybe well at least we get out of class. Just put it on, and then somebody stop the tape when the teacher falls asleep, and we'll put it on. We'll watch a documentary all week. Now documentaries are the are the are the the deal. Uh, Byer, Fourth of July holiday. What's the first thing sports wise comes to your mind? Clarify. I just want to clarify this with Jason.
9: On um, you're saying the U S. You remember on the Fourth of July that
10: happening. No, it, I'm okay. just saying the Fourth of July holiday. Gotcha, like it, it's gotcha. Foggy in my mind. No, because oh, I was no, gonna, understand. I
9: was gonna add on to it because uh, there are a couple of things. But in that World Cup, because the U.S. played Brazil on the Fourth of July, I believe that day, my mom was an elected official in our county, and there was a Fourth of July parade. This is in Tomahawk, Wisconsin. She was the clerk of courts for Lincoln County, and we had to take part in the parade. So, as we were soccer fans for at least two or three weeks, we decided, so why not jump on the U.S. (laughs) bandwagon, and we put USA beat Brazil on the front of the car that we were driving through. And we heard people commenting like it was a live sports update, like the USA had won the match, and we had realized no, we were just we were giving support. But when Jason brought that up, uh, that uh, that was a July Fourth memory. I also went to the fireworks show at the Rose Bowl when I one of my you know first couple of years in LA, and it was on that day that I decided I could no longer date the girl that I was dating. It was just it was a long, long, long day. When you get there and you're hanging out and the fireworks aren't until, what, so 9.30 what, what, what at night? What was it about her that What was it about her that annoyed you? She really was a great person. We had dated for a while. But it was just, you know, maybe she's on my case for this. She was maybe on my case for that. And I just, we had spent, you know, it's the hot sun. It's July. You get there at noon. The fireworks are, what, you know, nine hours later? And, uh, yeah, just couldn't, couldn't do it anymore. That night, driving home, I'm like, hey, I'm done. I can't, you know we need we needed to take a we need to take a little break here this is uh it's just it's not working out right now
10: what happens i am unfamiliar with the Rose Bowl firework show is that a thing yes it sounds and like a big thing What happens the entire day what are you doing for nine well, hours people are hanging out
9: drinking yeah camping and grilling and people that i you know i they were all her friends, so I knew no one she was on me because you know she didn't maybe love my diet you know. So I'm like trying not to have all the things that she would not want me to have. Who she doesn't love Mountain Dew? She, right? Yeah, who she doesn't love a, Mountain Dew? She was like a right? vegan or something? Right? Was she and, a vegan? Well, it's also like oh you know, hamburgers, hot dogs. Yeah. It's fourth of July. Yeah, you know, who, who doesn't like that? Yeah. Was she a communist? <laughs> you were dating a communist? she was she she was a a really good person <laughs> at heart but it was that but she, day but she was a communist that i realized doesn't love America. that i that i could not go any further and yeah we 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 took a break
4: i actually think i had this discussion with somebody that a woman's voice can be like can you know it's like if you're around somebody a long time and their voice like there's a lot of women that you just oh and I'm sure we all have we have habits that they they just they make the they make it up in their mind like I just can't do it why you know his breath you know or his hair or his <laughs> I can't do it I can't take his I don't even like his cologne he just lathers himself in it you know but what dog what
10: you know what like we have planned for the end the bonus podcast this, but Dan's perfect for this could we play uh, Sarah Walsh's rant for him
4: oh this is great you're gonna love this talk this about women's si- voices this is Sarah Walsh she was sitting in for. Um, uh, what well, Why am Jamie I forgetting? Good
10: morning, football. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: yeah, yeah. Uh, er- Erdahl, by the way, Jamie Erdahl is the coolest lady. The out Midway. There. Anyway, so this was uh, Sarah Walsh, who's her ex her not ex, but her husband's a former professional baseball player, so I'm sure he plays a lot of golf. Take a listen to this rant.
11: But I just want to put this in perspective, the other side of that equation, the one in which you come to us with utterly unrealistic promises that can never be fulfilled, starting with this real, unplayable lie. (laughs) You are not going golfing, and it's just going to take three and a half hours. You know how I know that? Because not once in your history of golfing has a round ever taken three and a half hours. Not once. And it's not because the group in front of you plays slow, and it's not because they have had a dude in jean shorts with the 20 handicap. First of all, it is because your round of golf starts an hour earlier than your tee time so that you can get on the range so that you can find your swing because somewhere in the recess of your brain, you <laughs> think that you have a shot to get on tour. Wow. It's because after your four and a half hour round, if you're lucky, it's not your fault, but your boy Chad, who got you on the course, forces you to go grab food with them at the club grill after. And I get it. You're starving. You know why you're starving? You've been there all day. Also, don't complain about having to take a call from your
4: wife when you're on the course. Jeez. A lot of venting there, right? Yeah, my goodness.
11: She's a keeper. <laughs>
4: she, I, Sarah, Sarah's awesome. I, she's just calling out her husband's crap, which we all do. I mean, I, I've done that before, right? Oh, no, three, I don't can, know. I can get done in three hours. Is that why, why
9: you and John had to duck out of our. Uh, Hookie Day last year. By the way, second annual is coming up in August. Just you know, you know, second annual Doug Gottlieb playing Hooky Day on the golf course
10: coming up in August. You got to wait okay. for the hottest day of the year is recorded, yeah. and then we'll go. Yeah.
9: I got to make sure all the avocados and or whatever, or what was it? It Was the uh, the limes and the lemons? Yeah, that's what it was. In the water are all cut up for John Ramos. Uh, I'm sorry, I've taken too much. That's an awful. Yeah, of course. Maybe maybe that's why he stays away, as long as he does. Exactly, yeah, that's exactly
10: why.
4: That's ex-
9: exactly that was my why. take.
10: That was exactly my take. If uh, whether she intended it or not, she was basically proving to everybody that's why guys take six hours to play. That's golf.
4: why I go, yeah, because they don't want to be home. What uh, uh, dramas when you th- Fourth of July? What do you think of in sports?
5: You know, uh, well, I think of baseball, but I, I'm going to say something here that I don't think. Maybe when I was younger, Fourth of July always meant to me Wimbledon, and why? Yeah. Because it was always Jimmy Connors versus McEnroe. It was always Pete Sampras, and there it was always Andre Agassi in the finals. And NBC's always thing they always used to say was spend Fourth of July weekend in you know in England with you know and but obviously in the lemony couple years, Doug, we haven't had the best of the U.S. men's side. But I guess the women—I don't think they play on the Fourth of July weekend, but. <laughs> That's what I remember is waking up on 4th of July. They all play 4th
4: of July weekend. Yeah.
5: Wanting it. to watch the Americans play in Wimbledon either the semifinals or the finals. That's what I remember. Do you know
4: when the last American to win a major was?
5: Uh, I do not. Anyone
4: want to take a shot at this one? Actually, I randomly know this.
10: It's not Roddick.
4: You've got a form in it in the form of a question, asking in the form of a question.
9: Is it Andy Roddick?
4: It is.
10: Good job, Jay. Nailed it. It is. Uh, what, what was? The, when was it? Had to be twenty years ago.
4: Damn, that was really good. Twenty years ago, he won the U.S. Open. Twenty years. Boom. Twenty years. Fourth um, of July. I think of baseball with fireworks shows, and then honestly, it's not a sport. But I do think of the hot dog eating thing. I just, how can you not? I it started with Kobayashi, and then like the how, do you, how does he do it? Like there's a trick to it, to the Joey Chestnut, and I still don't get how these guys do it. It's one of the more amazing. It's like a magic trick, which I'm like sitting there the whole time trying to figure out the magic trick. I don't understand. I don't. I don't have that in me. I I love to eat, but uh, I'm like a. And a hot dog is a thing that smells a lot better than it tastes. Let's just be honest. And you can have the best hot dog in the world. But it smells like the most amazing thing you've ever eaten. And it tastes okay. Sometimes it tastes good. Sometimes it doesn't. But the smell's always great. Um, I think of the, the hot dog eating thing just because there's not a lot else on in sports. <laughs> and it's smartly kind of taken over. It's, and it's so over-the-top funny. Right? So it's like Basketball the movie. Basically, is what it is. The it,
9: it is entertaining. And to John's point,
4: you know Wimbledon pushed back their
9: schedule. It used to start in the last week of June. And so it would, yeah, absolutely encompass the uh, July 4th holiday. This year, it starts on Monday, July 3rd, goes to the middle of July. And uh, for the second straight year, they are playing on the middle Sunday. So, a tradition that has gone by at the All-England Club. They would never play on the Sunday, the middle Sunday of the championship. Why? It was just tradition. I... But for the second straight year, they are going to. Because you'd always have the round of 16 on Monday. That would be the, the big tradition that you would have at Wimbledon. But no more. They spread it out over two days now. And that
4: is the Midway.
6: The Midway. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
3: I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith show podcast on the iHeartRadio radio app, Apple podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
4: The show is brought to you by progressive insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place, but don't say progressive.com. So, uh, Buyer, help me out. We'll go to Dan Buyer in about five minutes for an update. So, Bayer help me out. Now, as of now, we 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 know there are going to be suspensions in the NFL, but do we have the actual names and lengths of these suspensions for guys uh, for for gambling bans?
9: No, no, we don't. I felt this was a bit of an Adam Schefter strut, or wanted to to get out in front of it to say that he knows, because the only name that he mentioned was Isaiah Rogers, and I know, I think, the Indy Star was maybe the first on that months ago of him being involved in something. That was the only name in the report that Schefter had. I don't know if other people have names. I don't even know if he has names. I'm not sure, but that was the only name that was named, and we had known about that previously.
4: Okay. Um, look, I, I just... I think that's such a slippery slope that the NFL and NFLPA have decided to put themselves on allowing players to gamble. But you can't gamble inside facilities and you can't gamble on your team and on your sport, but you can't gamble on everything else. Like, I just, why not just ban, where you ban gambling? Hey man, you can't gamble. You know, you, you can't gambling. You know, and they sent out this uh, key rules, the gambling policy. Don't bet on the NFL. Don't gamble your team facility while traveling or for a road game or staying in a team hotel. Don't have someone else bet for you. Don't share team inside information. Don't enter a sports book during the NFL play season. Don't play fantasy football. These things seem pretty easy. But how about just no sports betting? Is that that hard? You know, in colleges, you're not allowed to to gamble on sports. Not allowed to. Uh, I just, I can't see how in the NFL, just because those guys make a lot more money, how it's not still the same problem. I saw this. This is Clay Thompson talking about Chris Paul, his new teammate. Quote, anytime you get to play with a player who is one of the best of your generation, it's an honor. It's a little weird because we've had so many battles in the past with Chris. Uh, But it's he's led so many teams that have nearly knocked us off or did knock us off going back to 2014. I think he's just going to add a calming presence and a leadership component that we need. I I really believe this. Uh, The Chris Paul, the, the bigger thing with Chris Paul is not, does he fit style of play? It's not, does he fit style of play? It's can he accept coming off the bench? That's the bigger thing. And as much as you should be able to have a reasonable conversation with a first ballot Hall of Famer like Chris Paul and go like, hey, man, look, you're coming off the bench because you're 39 years old. And, you know, we already have Steph and Clay and we, we got it. We start more size and you'll be able to play against backups. That's the one part I haven't heard. If Chris Paul's like, dude, look, dude, if I play 10, 15, if I play 35, I'm good. That's what I want to know. Connor Bedard, um, And my uh, my NHL mock draft is not yet up. Have we put that up on the Have we put that up on the website yet? I've been working really hard. Me and McIntyre, hard, hard, hard at work. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Stein co-hosts the podcast with Chris Haynes It's called This League Uncut. It's got the biggest stories, NBA topics, rumblings. You 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 read the tweets of Stein and Haynes and you're like, oh, okay, no, 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 way more depth. Very, very interesting stuff. It's called This League Uncut, wherever you download podcasts. Mark Stein joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. So let me get this straight. Um, Portland's under some sort of pressure before the draft. They draft Scoot Henderson, who, though, has a, a ton of upside and potential. He is, in fact, a ball, dominant ball-handling guard. Right, so they draft a guy who, he's not the same as Lillard, but kind of can sort of occupies the same space. Damien Lillard and his agent, Want to meet with Portland, and the takeaway from that meeting is: Hey, all good. We're trying to build a winner. Uh, is is am I, am I supposed to be buying that?
6: I think what the Blazers were telling us is that they don't feel pressure. They did what they wanted to do. They drafted the guy they wanted to draft. They, I think, they listened to what might be out there at number three, but ultimately. Uh, you know they made the pick that they wanted to make and i think they are because of that their their you know strong position might be overstating it because there is this uncertainty there but you know they've got an interesting young core with henderson now and sharp and Simon, who they can either keep or try to trade. I mean, they're going to be able to move forward no matter where this goes from here. Look, I, I mean, I think the reality is, and I think the way that most people in the NBA look at this is that both the Blazers and Damian Lillard, the suspicion is that both of them want to move on now, but nobody wants to be the one to initiate it. That's really where this is. I think They probably both would like to just, you know, pursue new courses, but nobody wants to say it. Nobody wants to be the one who, you know, really gets the process going.
4: Right. This is how I described it yesterday, Mark, was it's like a couple that knows a divorce is inevitable, but nobody wants to be the guy or woman who files for divorce. Right. That just doesn't feel good. Just, just, it just doesn't, because it makes you, it makes you seem like you're the quitter. I don't know, you you quit. Like, eh. Well, Uh, well, you
6: know, it goes, it goes against Dame's brand, who's been, you know, he has been Mr. Portland. He is the, you know, for the modern era, he is synonymous with that franchise. And the Blazers don't want to be the ones that say, yes, we want to trade an absolute local icon. So you can understand to some degree why they both feel that way, but. Someone's gonna eventually have to take that step. This cannot go on forever. And it looks by all accounts that Miami wants to wait. And they'll be patient because they think they can get in there. You know, there's skepticism around the league about how interested Portland would be in Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero who's gotta be at the center of a Miami trade package for him. But I think I think Miami has not really moved off that position that, that Dame, is, Dame is the one they're waiting for.
4: You broke the story that the Lakers were essentially willing to move heaven and earth and overpay Austin Reeves in order to retain him. What does overpaying Austin Reeves actually look like financially?
6: Well, the most anyone can offer is a four-year deal that approaches $100 million. But i, I got to be honest, the way he played in the second half of the season, I'm not sure that that's such an overpay. I mean, if he stays at the level we saw In today's NBA, with where salaries are going, I think he can justify that number. But at this point, who is going to tie up cap space? He's a restricted free agent. So if you sign him to an offer sheet, your offer, you know, you're basically your cap space is tied up for three days. So is there someone out there that really wants to do that when they know the Lakers are going to match? And I do. You know, teams always do this for the restricted free agents. They always want to dissuade teams from even putting an offer sheet down because they don't even wanna to have to face the prospect of matching. But there's a big difference between Cam Johnson, who the you know, for for days and maybe even weeks now, there's been since Monty Williams was hired by the Pistons, it didn't take long for Word to circulate that the Pistons are going to put down a serious offer sheet try to convince the Nets not to match and let Cam Johnson go, and Cam Johnson would be reunited with Monty Williams in Detroit after they were together in Phoenix. Now, Brooklyn has all the same signals have come out of Brooklyn that the Nets are going to match anything that Cam Johnson gets, but for some reason there's been a lot more chatter that – Cam Johnson is somehow gettable, whereas, you know, Austin Reeves, the messaging has been consistent, and I, I believe it. I, I think the Lakers will match any offer that comes in for Reeves. I don't think there's any chance of getting him. And so if you're a team that makes an offer sheet to a restricted free agent, you really have to think about that. I mean, you really have to – you always have to overpay to get a restricted free agent anyway, sure. but it's not worth doing it unless you you really think you have a chance of success.
4: Um. It's been reported that the Suns are holding on to DeAndre Ayton. That feels like a for now sort of thing. Uh, what's What's the legitimacy to their desire to hold on to DeAndre Ayton once the season begins?
6: Yeah, look, it was my podcast partner, Chris Haynes, who reported that Sunday that the word out of Phoenix is that they want to move forward with Ayton on their team. But that was Sunday. On Thursday, on draft night, there were... Talks, you know, serious talks between Dallas and Phoenix about an and trade. Those talks ultimately didn't come to fruition. The Suns didn't like what was on the table at the end, and they didn't go through with it. But, you know, two days before, you know, two, three days before they were moving forward with Aiton, they were looking at and trade. So I think you're right that they will continue to as quietly as they can, explore the options. But the reality is the offers for Aiton, his market right now, the Suns can't get a first-round pick back for him. And so this is the former number one pick in the whole draft, elected two spots ahead of Luka Doncic in 2018. Oops. So the Suns naturally want more than what the offers are at the moment. And they're just not able to get what they see as, you know, fair value for. So I think that is a big reason why you are now hearing the 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 talk about they want to move forward with him. One other thing I would say though, Frank Vogel really wants to coach DeAndre Aiden. Frank Vogel has always had, you know, elite rim protecting big men at the heart of his defense. And if I'm the Suns, there is a part of me that that does say well, don't we want to see what Aiton looks like playing for Vogel before we move him? You know, you can make
4: that argument. You could definitely make that argument. Mark Stein joining us. He he co-hosts This League Uncut with Chris Haynes, an outstanding NBA podcast that gives you all the insight and details you could ever want to know. We're just stealing blips and, and pieces of what, in long form, they go into much further, deeper discussions. Kyrie Irving, likelihood he's not in Dallas next year.
6: If he's in the NBA, the likelihood is that he'll be in Dallas. I mean, they you know, I've been I've I've been saying this literally since April and it has not changed. There are no other confirmed suitors at this point for Kyrie Irving. Now, could that still change? Free agency doesn't start for basically another forty eight hours, maybe a little bit more. Um but you know, the Mavericks want to bring him back. At this point, they face no competition. So the overwhelming likelihood is that Kyrie will be will be back in Dallas next season.
4: Uh, there's some speculation the Kings could go after Draymond Green. That just feels like a leverage play from Draymond Green, right? Like, there's no way you go play for the Sacramento Kings. No matter how fun, talented, how much they might may need you, like, that just doesn't feel like it happens, does it?
6: No. I think he would at least listen because such as his respect for Mike Brown. He and Mike Brown had a fantastic relationship in Golden State, and the Kings do have the ability to create a lot of cap space. But one of the first stories I, I wrote this week was that, you know, all, and this was Monday, all signs point to Draymond Green staying with the Warriors, even with Sacramento's ability to create this cap space. And I also reported in that piece that, The Memphis Grizzlies, before trading for Marcus Smart in the three-team Porzingis to Boston trade, the Grizzlies were trying to explore a way to make a bid for Draymond Green. The Grizzlies don't have that kind of cap space, so I can't say that I'm exactly sure how mechanically they were going to do it, but there was some real Memphis is interested in Draymond Green chatter going around, but then the Grizzlies traded for Smart and... You know, that went away. But, uh, look, Draymond Green would have He does have suitors. There are teams that are interested in him. But from the minute Golden State traded Jordan Poole away, you know, that that basically signaled to the rest of the league that Draymond Green is going to be back. And, and Draymond himself, you know, he was kind enough to come on the podcast with Chris Haynes and I and, you know, speak at length about how much he would like to retire as a Warrior. And he said it emphatically, after the season, after Golden State's playoff elimination, he wants to ride out with the guys he rode in with. I, I cannot imagine a scenario where he's not playing next to Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson. I just can't picture it.
4: Um, is Chris Paul going to come off the bench?
6: That is a fantastic question, and I don't think we know that answer yet. He's never come off the bench in a single game in the league. Which is, I think I counted it yesterday, 1,363 regular season playoff games. He's never come off the bench once. So, uh, you know, it would make a lot of sense there that he would. Um, I mean, something tells me that there would be some scenarios where he's a spot starter here and there. But, I mean, there's been no firm deck, you know, firm declarations yet from Steve Curry. Obviously, he doesn't have to make that decision in late June. But, you know, from from what I understand, Chris Paul's been talking to some of his new teammates. He's had dialogue already with Stephen Curry. You know, he's settling into the reality that he is a warrior, as bizarre as that is for all of us on the outside the picture. So I, I'm sure he doesn't want to come off the bench, but I, I – You know, I think he'll end up embracing whatever role they outline for him.
4: How likely is Paul George to remain an L.A. Clipper?
6: At this point, it looks more likely than not. But, you know, as I reported before the draft, they, the Clippers, you know, began gauging his trade value in discussions with various teams. There was talk that they would have loved to have been able to engage Portland in a trade where the Clippers get number three and Paul George is the, star that Portland trades for, who's more on Damian Lillard's timeline, but the Blazers weren't interested in that. I mean, the difficulty in trying to trade Paul George, he can opt out after this coming season, so you might only have him for one year. So when you you talk about his contract on top of his injury history, he's not an easy guy to trade as accomplished as he is as an eight-time all-star and a great two-way player. So, I think the Clippers have undoubtedly looked at it. I think they will continue to test the options and, and you know, see if something makes sense because they've got some really difficult decisions this summer with Kawhi and Paul George eligible for four-year extensions, both worth in excess of $200 million. And are you really going to invest that kind of money in those two players in their 30s when in their first four years together, they miss so much time.
4: That's the question. It's not that you don't think they're great. It's that they just they can't stay healthy in their prime. What do we pay them after their prime, knowing they're not going to be healthy? Yeah, uh,
6: theoretically, it, theoretically, they are exactly what you would want in the modern NBA. Right, two way wings who can be great at both ends of the court. I mean, they are. They are, you know. You, you have Tatum and Brown in Boston, but you know Kawhi and Paul George are theoretically even better, even yeah. more advanced, even more proven, but we just we never see them together.
4: Correct. Correct. It's a hard one. Uh, Mark Stein and Chris Haynes. It's called This League Uncut. Mark, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate you joining us. All
6: right. Talk soon. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific.